You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very, very special guest today. Mike Glover from Fieldcraft Survival. You got a lot going on. Uh, give us a quick, before we get into all this, give us a quick bio. Tell us about your military career and then what you're doing now as a civilian. Yeah, military guys. Spent um, 20 years in the military and government contracting. Did uh uh, Green Beret stuff from uh, 03 when I went to selection until 2016. Was an infantry guy for four years. Um, spent a lot of time in different positions, all kinds of different deployments. And then uh, at the end of my career as a, a sergeant major, decided to start contracting. So I separated from active service and started contracting with the uh, Central Intelligence Agency. And then hung it all up in 2016 to start my business, Philcraft Survival. And tell me what uh, Fieldcraft Survival is, what your goal is behind this. Yeah, the mission is simple. It's to prepare citizens for the worst case scenario, whether it's man-made or natural. It's to prepare citizens across the full spectrum of this idea uh, called preparedness. Mm. So teach a man to fish, right? Absolutely. We, we train the trainers, what we say. We don't, we don't treat our students, our clients as... Um, subordinates like they're in range of time we treat them as they are instructors going out and teaching their families and their communities sure yeah i mean um if uh, i one of the ways i like to think about it because there's a lot of people uh that don't know where to start and their own preparedness. One of the ways I like to think about it was, is with guys like you and Tim Kennedy and others who contribute, uh, uh, Dutch Moyer and, and a bunch of people. Um, if you protect someone, they're protected while you're there. If you teach them to protect themselves then they can protect themselves and others as well. Right. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. People get too hung up on, I, I guess on the, the, the minutia of, how we're going to get where we're going to go. You know what I mean? Like if it's going to be a man-made disaster or <clears throat> just a natural disaster or just bad luck or whatever. Right. But the conditions are going to be the same, right? Like if, if it's, you, you're going to want to be able to find your way outside of major populated areas. You're going to want to understand how wind patterns work in case, in case it's some kind of, you know, chem bio situation. Um, you're going to want to, know how to to find clean drinking water build shelter and find and prepare food in a way that's going to be sustainable right that those are kind of some yeah, core it, elements there yeah to, to paraphrase uh, travis haley it's like we're not teaching shooters we're teaching people how to be thinkers right and you know the guys that you mentioned who i all served with both tim kennedy and dutch i just talked to dutch like right before this podcast mm. which is interesting um um, when you have guys with profound experiences, often like in the tactical space, which I don't consider myself a member of the tactical space because all the toxicity that it is, because we're teaching preparedness, we're teaching people how to think, we're not teaching technical proficiency in one specific niche genre, we're teaching people, hey, a survival disaster, whether it's you know short duration, extreme stress, or long duration over time, is going to require you to think cognitively, make good decisions um, under stress. 
So just shooting on a flat range and hitting paper and steel is not a reflection of your capability. So it, yeah, we, we, we look at all disasters because it's an equal opportunist. It's, it doesn't care what background you are. If you are a Delta force operator or if you're a, you're bagging groceries mm. at your local grocery store, it's going to treat you the same. So I, I think that's, that's what preparedness is. It's a, it's yeah. a loose genre, a lot of shit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, disaster doesn't really look at your resume. It doesn't give a fuck who you are, or where you've been. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're either prepared yeah. for that shit or you're not. Yep. Um, one of the, uh, one of the principles that, uh, that we have here at the show, um, and we've got this list of principles that I think are, you know, kind of a roadmap for how to, how to be a citizen. Now it's my opinion. <clears throat> and I believe the fact supports this opinion that you're either going to be a citizen of a country or you're going to be a subject under rule of, you know, other human beings. And, and the, the latter is something that Americans have found intolerable throughout history, right? We don't like that shit. Um, and I bring this quote up a lot, but I think it's always salient. Uh, Plato said that it, it, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase cause I don't want to keep using exact words, but P Plato said that if you, uh, if you fail to get involved essentially in the running of your government, then you're doomed to be ruled by fools. Right. Um, and I think that's where we are now. Like a lot of people rightly point out how fucked up everything is, but very rarely do they look in the mirror and ask, how did I contribute to this? And, and it's not about placing blame as somebody who's done quite a bit of medical training and triage and stuff like that. Uh, you know, that, identifying and addressing the problem is the important part. Not necessarily like assigning blame is a fucking useless practice. There's no, there's no point in that, but knowing how you affected all of this will, will show you how to unaffect it, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you're saying is you know, this idea of putting band-aids on hatchet wounds, not addressing the, the problem um, and allowing it by talking in echo chambers about it is just perpetuating the problem. Mm. It's, it's spreading the cancer further instead of looking at probable courses of action or distilled solutions that are going to work in solving the overarching problem. Mm. I mean, I, a lot of people in this country who are talking about the, the collapse of our democracy or the sovereignty of our democracy um, talk a lot about it but don't affect the literal change. Tim Kennedy, who started this school concept. Mm, apogee. Yeah. Uh, where, where, yeah, when I when I was when I was with him, when I was his boss, when I was a sergeant major and he was in my J3 shop, he had this as a concept, but he made a plan and executed on that plan. So I, I see, you know, I just did a live feed yesterday where they were talking poorly about Tim Kennedy. I'm like, so you're hung up on a comment that's related to the Second Amendment, but you're not looking at the totality of the circumstance, including him changing lives and the future of our country by starting a school like that's not important for you to talk about. Like, how about we amplify that so we could do more good and actually head in the right direction instead of getting hung up on these personas and all this toxicity, which people have literally made their identity. Mm. It's like the more I talk about, the more I meme about um, the more toxic shit I distill about, then that's going to make me feel better and it's not going to do any good for the country. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. I mean, uh, this is kind of an extreme example, but the, one of the parallels to me is the Uvalde situation, right? Where a lot of people get themselves into a position and they talk tough and they know what the problems are, but when it's time to act, they don't act. And you know as well as I do, aside from just repetition, like anybody, you can teach anybody to, to be a good shooter, in my opinion. I don't think unless there's some Anybody. unless unless they have some like severe physical disability, obviously that's a different thing. But to to learn how to shoot and communicate is not rocket surgery, man. That's just repetition. That that's really what it is. The difference between the people who can do it and the people who can't, the people who are extremely good at it and the people who are just okay at it, is the will to act. That's what it is. That's what we refer to as violence of action, right? That's kind of like how you're trying to get your your mind in the right spot to, uh, uh, you, you know, do what's necessary, move the ball forward, whatever it happens to be. 
I, I get so one of the reasons I started this show is because my old show, American Party, we did a lot. Um, Dakota Meyer and I did a lot to, <clears throat> um, I guess, elucidate a lot of the problems that were going on in our country. But I felt like we kind of kept sliding into the same trap of just if you're just sitting around, like imagine the house is on fire and you're just another dick standing on the street watching it burn. You know what I mean? You're not doing a goddamn thing out there. So that's why we pivoted to this show. And what I want to do here is let people know that, yeah, we there's a lot of shit that's fucked up. A lot of it is our fault because of our ignorance and complacency. But the good news is nobody can stop you from being a better citizen. And you have to make that choice. You're either going to be a citizen or you're going to be a subject. Those are the only two options there. Um, One of the principles... Uh, that I wanted to talk to you about today is I'll do something every day to help my country, my countrymen, or all men. And it's kind of, uh, it's based on, <coughs> excuse me, it's based on this idea of the social contract, right? So we talk about our rights a lot, what we're entitled to, but we don't talk about what our obligations are very much, unfortunately. And I, I kind of, the support, uh, you know the constitutional oath, right? I mean, it's support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I, I For our list of principles, I say uh, support liberty because I think it, this applies to everybody in what, no matter what country they're in. But um, I don't like platitudes like <sighs> support the troops and live, laugh, love, and all that horse shit, right? That's meaningless to me. Like what, what actions associated with that? When I hear those empty gestures, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I literally cringe at the vagueness and lack of commitment in that statement. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? So there is a gap in our ability to defend ourselves, to uh, survive in austere environments and all this stuff. And we know that there's a gap both in our knowledge to do that and in our readiness to do it, which I don't think are the same thing. A knowledge base is one thing. Knowing how to do something, as we said before, that's important. But having the will to act is something that seems to be lost, right? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the creature comforts that we fell in love with, with this experiment of freedom and democracy and liberty, you know, the American dream um, has made us create a culture of outsourcing or being comfortable with outsourcing everything. We outsource our healthcare, we outsource our security, we outsource our education. And this social contract, as you described, is an agreement because we're going to collaborate. But it becomes less of a collaboration when the government is running on its own agendas based on whatever you want to, the the many variables that create toxic uh, governance. And then you have us who are left behind, the citizens who are left behind, who, because of the benefits of freedom, have become more complacent. So now we go, oh, you mean we actually have to take care of ourselves and be self-reliant because the supply chain is broken or fractured because uh, the police officer or the first responder won't show up because of politics? And one of the things that we educate is you know, the, the idea of even citizens, is, I love it because, you know, we, we host responsible citizen classes mm. free every Wednesday using a subject matter expert. We've been doing that since the origin stories of this company and and teaching that if you are a player in this collaborative effort called being a citizen of America, you need to be an asset because the contrast is you'll be the liability. Right. And, you know, it's like the Second Amendment argument where it's like it's because of the sports shooting, the clay shooting, the USPSA. It has nothing to do with that and everything to do with the fact that we are a superpower. I mean, Russia and Ukraine will demonstrate that. So if you are a citizen and you wake up every single day looking at yourself as an asset, then you have a selfless service mindset, military first responders, a lot of people who work in these specific jobs understand what that means in the culture. But it also means if you don't have that culture to relate to, that you could do something about it. Mm. That The technical skills you learn on a flat range are not for you. They are for your family. They are for your community. The medical skills that you learn, 
shame on you if you drive by an accident where you know you could respond and affect change and somebody who's fighting for their life. But we'll be pulling out our cell phones before pulling out our tourniquets because we want to catch it for the grant. So I think there's a cultural shift that needs to take place. And I'm glad, you know, whether it's your podcast, whether it's our responsible citizen uh, class, that the more we talk about this, the more we create a culture around this idea, then people who have not grown up in family units, not grown up in churches, not grown up in communities are getting more tethered to the idea of like, holy crap, man, this guy is not an enemy. He's a fellow citizen. Right. Yeah. yeah. This dude bleeding on the ground is a friend. Maybe I should help. Well, I mean, that's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? All the people that were friends walked right on fucking by. But the guy who should have been an enemy, uh, th- this is something we, we talk about the Good Samaritan. People think it's just a random person who does something nice for somebody else. And it's a it's a misunderstanding of, of what a historical Samarian was, right? So these people were at odds with the Israelites. They were not friends. You know, it wasn't necessarily Hatfield and McCoy's, but it was pretty uh, contentious among these two groups of people. The story there is that it doesn't matter if somebody looks, thinks like you or whatever the fuck, right? What matters is, is that they are a human being in the same tribe you are, and you are duty bound. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. You are duty bound to assist that person when they need your help, right? So if you ever in your life need help, and I promise you will, if you think that you're entitled to help from somebody else, that is only true if you've done the work and helped other people as well, right? Like that's what the contract is amongst human beings. Um, to your point about, well, first of all, with the medical stuff, if you if you can't find one of Mike's classes or whatever the fuck or, or even uh, uh, American Red Cross classes, find a stop the bleed class somewhere, that's the most important thing you could do is <sighs> – you can learn how to apply a tourniquet in fucking three minutes. That's the easiest thing in the world. But learning how to pack like uh, uh, open cavity wounds and things like that, you can just by stuffing some Curlex in some dude's gut, you can save his life. Like no shit. Uh, just by knowing how to t- do a three-sided tape on, on a sucking chest wound, you can save somebody's life. And it's super simple. It's not very difficult to do this stuff. But it, I, w- I would, if I had to guess, I would say 98% of the public doesn't know how to do any of this or they don't have the temerity to do it, which is even worse. I was talking on, uh, I was talking on Andy Frisella's show about this, uh, this, this past weekend, like everybody wants to fucking go to the range and shoot and shit like that. The chances of you getting in a gunfight to defend somebody else are pretty low. The chances of you, which is not to say you shouldn't be prepared for that, but the chances of you running into somebody who's just been in a car wreck, who's bleeding out and you can save their life are way higher than any gunfight that you might get into on the street. Um, so I think it's to what you said earlier about being, being a value add or, or, or a net negative. That's for, for, for the person who's just sitting in a cubicle right now, that's super important. You really need to be thinking about that. Um, we no longer have any natural predators. You know what I mean? We've become our own natural predator our laziness and comfort. We've, we've become the like diabetes and heart disease kill more people than anything now. Um, to me, the only reasonable solution to that is to be disciplined and create your own predator. You know, everyone we know that we consider to be great at what they did, like, uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, people like that, they would create challenges for themselves internally in their own mind that nobody else even knew about, right? Like, Oh, this guy looked at me wrong. So fuck him. I'm going to go out and score 50 points tonight. They put that at their back, right? They got that lion at their back now chasing them. So they're going to get to the, that makes sure that you give max effort. You could do that in your life. You can challenge yourself. And it's not about keeping up with the Joneses or any of that horse shit. It's about being the best possible person you could be. Uh, James Aldister talks about this. If you improve 1% a day, you know, over 30 days, you've improved 100% or something like that. I can't remember what the exact numbers were. Uh, that's for the regular person, for the, all these people out in the space. People that are like, they they talk about what the problem is and that's how they make their money is by, I, I in my opinion, they're just adding to the net negativity. You, We have to make it cool to be like a fucking dad, to teach or be around for your kids, teach your kids shit. We need to make it cool to be self-sufficient. We need to make it cool again 
to help other people because as as much as I don't want to admit it, we're in a faddish culture. People fucking follow the trends, man. Like if if imagine if this whole support the current thing, whatever it happens to be. Imagine if we shifted that into something that actually helped other people. You know what I mean? Now we're talking about a country and not just a, a loosely associated group of 330 million people. Yeah, we need to spend more time invested in building up. Um, I mean, social media has amazing aspects, but it also has obviously, I mean, the, the social media platforms are, are really winning when it comes to um, profits and 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 influencing masses because they got the psychologist kind of tweaking the emotion that's driven by the algorithm, which makes more ad revenue and drives these young men, especially into these directions where it's a bottomless pit. I mean, I look at it in my own industry, me, Tim Kennedy, we started sheepdog or he started sheepdog response around the same time I started full craft survival and, and people try to people not knowing that me and Tim are friends mm. try to, try to put us together and make us fight and infight. I have tactical instructors talking shit about me. I, I have people sending me DMs saying this shit's being talked. And and I've realized that there's a whole bunch of people that whether they're special operations guys or or just really influential people who could have positive impact on culture are too focused in, down and in instead of up and out. And if they focused on up and out instead, where they looked at us as collaborators or assets or partners or friends or help put the blinders on and continue to move forward, then they would be affecting culture in a positive way. And that's what we need. I mean, I hate to be like the woo-woo guys, like we need to be super positive and, and, and collaborate and work with each other. But the alternative is we have tribes in the same on the same side fighting each other yeah. we have our own civil conflict and I, I think a lot of what's happening in culture like you said about making it popular to be a dad you know i i've never posted about my kids but now i realized in a very impactful way that the young men who follow me and i i influence need to know that it's cool to be a dad mm. that it's it's cool to be prepared to be a dad to be a good spouse to be a good father and to be just a good dude without being a dickhead. Mm. And and I, I think more of that is necessary in order for us to kind of progress as a society or or we just won't make it. I mean, we'll just purge, we'll fight. And then and the only people winning are the superpowers around us, China, Russia and everybody else who's looking at us like we don't need to go to war with them. We just need to drop the seeds of doubt and let them fight each other because they'll just kill each other. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, nowhere. I think is it more important than with young men. I mean, we see it in inner cities and we see it in the suburbs with mass shooters. It's it's fatherless homes, even if there's a man in the home. It's, uh, you know, uh, increased in some ways by poverty, but it's it's a nihilism. It's a young man that has this just aching desire for some kind of purpose in life, right? Like... 250,000 years of evolution have taught them taught them to their genetic core that they need to be out there being aggressive, protecting people, using their natural aggression for good. Like it's not good or bad. It's how you utilize this stuff. And instead of doing that, we've taught young men, uh, well, one, we took their fathers away, right? Two, we fucking taught them that their aggression is intrinsically bad, which is an, an asinine thing to fucking teach somebody, right? I mean, that would be like, teaching women that empathy is somehow toxic. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, we would never say that, right? Because it's an ignorant thing to say, but for some reason, uh, we'll say that about men. Um, instead of teaching <clears throat> these young men that it's good to be strong because that strength is necessary. And when used appropriately, you can save people's lives. You can improve people's lives. You know what I mean? That's the entire point of masculinity, of aggression, of testosterone, is to provide and protect, right? These young men, 100%. yeah, they, these young men, they're our best weapon against evil. They are our best weapon against evil. And, and frankly, the lack of that controlled aggression is where most evil comes from. It's weak men, right? That try to fucking, because of their insecurity mixed with uh, this natural aggression that they have, they feel like they need to, 
you know, lash out all the time. When you look at, go watch a nature documentary. A lion is either lying down, doing nothing, or chasing prey. They're not fucking walking around telling everybody how fucking tough they are. You know what I mean? Like, that's unnecessary. <laughs> it's completely, everybody knows who the lion is. And you may feel like, if you, can, if you can hear me talking right now, you may feel like you're not that guy. I'm not that lion. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You just have to be it. Like you just genetically, that is exactly who you are as a human being. That's how you've been programmed. Your DNA has been programmed for hundreds of thousands of years. So you have to ignore all this bullshit. You have to ignore everybody telling you that that your aggression is wrong. You have to ignore everybody telling you that masculinity is toxic. You have to ignore everybody trying to bait you into these stupid ideas because, you know, the only thing that's going to protect us from all of this shit that's going on, all these institutions that have now turned inward and are battling the population for some reason is, is you like you and I are going to be involved in this fight, but in just a few years, it's going to be people who are like 13, 14, 15 right now. And if we're telling them that their aggression and masculinity is evil, then they're not going to be here. They're not going to be here to fight back. Yeah. It's the, it's the warrior class, right? We've always had throughout time, a, class of people willing to step up and fight and the fact that you know we have an entire culture woke propaganda that's telling these young men that any masculinity is toxic and and not necessary is just setting up our country and humanity up for not surviving and not thriving certainly and so i i i love you know i love jujitsu i love mma I love all of these outlets for men to step into an arena and be confronted to be figuratively and literally punched in the face because that builds resilience. One thing we need to retain in this country is our ability to be resilient because that will mean the difference, especially in conflict of coming out on top or coming out on bottom. And a lot of countries, uh, including China and Russia know this because foundationally they live hard lives. Like when, when we institute, tough language and and we say we're going to sanction them to the max well what are we talking about taking away the yachts from a guy who grew up in the trenches and alleys of russia who is naturally oppressed foundationally as a society like these are the hardest people on the planet and you're talking about sanctioning them they they're already sanctioned they're born into sanction so we need to build and retain that fabric of our society because right now, all the trends that we're seeing, especially all the virtue signaling from young men who just keep talking and running their mouths, but don't step up to serve their community, their local government, the federal government to stand up in leadership positions, to serve in the military, to serve in uniform for their communities, just means we're going to be less resilient as it goes on and on and on to the future, where eventually something's going to break. And, and I think that breaking point, honestly, is going to be the next election cycle as we lead up to it could be yeah there's a lot of stupid shit going on right now um and it's you know one of the reasons i like the the oath of office and oath of enlistment they're all pretty much the same the reason i like it is because <clears throat> that it bifurcates between internal and external threats right like it's very obvious to people that we should as a community stave off any sort of external threat i don't think anybody uh, whatever, have any qualms with that. It's the internal threat that people seem to have. There, there was a time when people had different ideas about how to control it and how to fight back against it. And now it seems like there's pretty disparate ideas on whether or not it even exists. You know what I mean? Or, or I guess who is the threat. So <clears throat> the, um, the FBI and the attorney general continue to say that it's like white supremacists, in America that are a huge threat. That's absolute nonsense. It's, it's like, there's literally no statistical data to support that statement. Not one. Um, meanwhile, you know, uh, uh, Antifa caused $2 billion worth of damage in three months. You know what I mean? In, in the summer of 2020. Uh, so I, I think we're both meant to, so the, the internal threat, from my perspective <clears throat> is it, it's only allowed 
It's like a bucket with a hole in it, right? Or a, a fence with a hole in it or something like that. Like evil preys on weakness. And it can only punch through those lines when there's a fucking gap. And the gap in this in this scenario is our complacency, our lack of uh, intellect, uh, uh, preparedness, intestinal fortitude. Which is, you know, that sounds pretty rough. But the good news is, is that those are all things that we can control. You know what I mean? Like we immediately, starting today, you can improve each one of those situations from your perspective. And as you do that, the people around you will start to do the same because when someone does good, like this is a good thought experiment or actually a good practical experiment. If you're in uh, a group of people and something's a mess, start cleaning it up. Don't say a word to see what happens. And, and watch as those other people start helping you clean it up. It's a natural human inclination to be part of that, right? But somebody's got to be a fucking leader at some point. And it's not going to be somebody with the position leader. It's going to be you. Like everybody that can hear the sound of my voice, you're a leader. This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company, as you know is a veteran-owned and operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get the best coffee in the world. Get your premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast. Whether you want whole bean ground or coffee rounds that work in the Keurig machine, and your delivery schedule, which I believe they have 7, 14, 21, 30 days, and a couple of other options uh, as well. And in addition to that, this is the best deal you're going to get. In addition to the ease of the coffee club, you're also going to get free shipping on all your orders. You're going to get access uh, to exclusive partner discounts. You're going to get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, GhostBed. We all know GhostBed. They have the best deals in the world. On the best beds in the world. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else. 30% off. Use the code DRINKITBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKITBROS. You can get a mattress and an adjustable base and everything else you add to that order. That's going to be 40% off. And then, you know, with all these great deals, whether it's the 40% off bundle deal or the general 30% off deal, you can utilize the zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months. That's five years, which will reduce your monthly cost to somewhere between tw like $25 and $45 a month, somewhere in there, depending on what all you get. So go get those deals, you know, to bed, to 30 of your life, eight hours a day. Spend the money. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros for that. And if you don't, engage like that in, in solving problems that not only are you, you know, failing yourself, you're failing everybody around you. And then you're failing everybody that those people could have impacted downstream as well. Yeah. The military version of that, the, the de definition of that is uh, informal leadership, right? Mm -hmm. In the military, you have designated leadership positions because you're dutied and titled as such. But the most impactful leadership is informal leadership that's not put in a position. It's the peer-to-peer -peer relationship. It's people taking it upon themselves to be, know, and do. Like, you want to be a good leader, it doesn't require you to be put in a pedestal, on a pulpit, um, or even in a duty and responsibility. It's about what you do every single day. That's why the family unit is so critical. It's like, yeah, a relationship between a man and a woman and being a man and taking that duty and responsibility as natural uh, as it is and accepting that being the leader of your home, being a father figure, which is being a leader for your children. We're so scared and intimidated as a society and culture to stand up and say, I'm going to tell my child what they're going to do. I'm going to give them guidance. I mean, I have twin three-year-olds, a boy and a girl. I go to my son and I say, Hey son, this is what you're going to do you're not going to fall on your ass and you're not going to have a temper tantrum mm. at three. And when I snap my fingers and I raise the tone of my voice, he immediately gets up and he goes, Roger that. And I say, you say, yes, sir. That's your, that's what's coming out of your, your mouth mm. right now. Yes, sir. And he goes, 
Yes, sir. And and that that construction, developing that structure for him is allowing him to thrive and succeed. But we think breaking those walls down because we want to be uh, we want to be uh, empathetic to all their desires as children is going to somehow benefit us. I think what we're missing because of the lack of the family unit is structure, discipline, all these things that lead to us to actually thrive. And when you're a leader in your own skin, you don't have to be able to lead anybody. Start with leading yourself. Start with waking up every single day with purpose, with structure, looking yourself in the mirror, and then not confirming a bias that's negative where you say, I suck, because you will definitely make that your belief because you'll look for nothing but the evidence of that. Say, say to yourself, you're the best. And then create the behaviors and the routines that are going to facilitate that. Mm. And then one day you'll wake up and you'll actually feel like you're your best. And that, that takes a lot of introspect, but it also just takes for you to suck it up and just be a man, be, be a woman, be willing to be comfortable in your own skin. And um, that's so important, man. It's so important in society. It's so important um, in, in how we create I think in what's now, which seems weird, but an abstract culture uh, going against all this woke propaganda that we're hearing, that, that our youth are hearing. Yeah, well, the, one of our problems is that we like to try to solve problems downstream instead of upstream, right? So there's gun violence, and we're like, well, we'll just get rid of the guns. Okay, you're a little late. Like, you're way late to the party. That's like, yeah, you know, that that that's not even a a bandaid on a bullet wound. That's like waiting for somebody to die and trying to revive them basically at that point. Right. Um, <clears throat> all of these solutions start at the foundation, just like anything else. If you are a baseball player and your swing is fucked up, you don't, you don't go onto the field and take batting practice and try to hit home runs to fix your swing. You know what I mean? You go back into the cage, you break your swing down into smaller elements. You get back to the fundamentals and you know, when I was growing up, my my uh, my dad was not a nice man. Uh, he was very abusive. But the the one thing that uh, he did that I thought was really smart was yes sir and no ma'am. I think that builds a level of structure for a young person. Right? Uh, it, it's it's like it's like a bolo almost. You're being on the lookout for opportunities. To, to do things, uh, uh, to, to build structure for your kids. That's one of them. Like if you're talking about breaking down your day, get up in the morning and, you know, have a plan for the day. Right. Cause if you're going nowhere, that's exactly where you're going to get. You're going to get fucking nowhere. Um, have a plan for the day. Well, yes, sir. And no ma'am shows respect. It's not about like, <sighs> I do this to this day. I'm 41 years old. And if I meet somebody, if it's a human being that I don't know, even if they're younger than me, it's yes, sir. And no, ma'am, until I know them personally, you know what I mean? I don't, it's just like ingrained in my brain. Uh, but you know, that kind of structure from a young age is just like setting fitness or dietary goals for yourself now as an adult. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a roadmap. It's a, they're guardrails. Like I'm definitely going to do this or training yourself <clears throat> to, to fight back against the bystander effect. It's a psychological principle where the more people are watching some kind of event, the less likely any of them are to get involved and do something. That is, a, that's literally a leadership vacuum. That's what it is. And all it takes is for one person to step up and be a leader and then everybody will get involved. You got to be that person, right? Now, as an adult, it's a little bit hard. You got to retrain yourself sometime. But I, th this to me focuses back on the younger generation, and it's one of the principles uh, that I really like that we don't really talk about too much is I will ensure justice come to those who deserve it, whether it be punishment or reward. Uh, it reminds me of uh, this author, James Dobson, from Focus on the Family. You probably heard of him back in the day. You're about my age. Um, wrote a parenting book, and he said in the book that the more often you catch your kids doing the right thing, the less often you'll catch them doing the wrong thing, which means positive reinforcement for children can really work, but it is still the carrot and the stick, right? Like the, the stick, you need that discipline. You have to have it. And, and what, what other, what other part of life can you just kind of wing it and everything's going to be okay without any kind of guardrails or anything like that? Imagine there's uh, imagine there's no 
uh, uh, lines on the street, right? What, what happens? I mean, you've probably driven in India before. It's, a, it's chaos, complete and utter chaos, and there's not a clean or undented car in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, uh, yeah, it's like being proactive in an inactive society. It's like if you want to be proactive, start with being involved and conscious in your children's lives and your spouse's life. I mean, we're so one of the problems with technology and the integration of technology, supposedly to optimize life, is that we are now spending our time, attention, our consciousness focused on that thing instead of focused on the people in front of us. So when our son is doing something or my daughter is doing something and I'm not attentive to that, they're just winging it because they're trying to figure shit out. And most people, like you said, are winging it. They're trying to figure shit out. But they don't have the people in their lives to tell them, hey, dude, this isn't right. And what I, what I found mystifying, and, and you've experienced this, Tim Kennedy, myself, Dutch, all these guys who are influencing through their voice, through their reason, through their experience, we are influencing culture and society where you have young men. I get more young men sliding in my DMs going, hey, hey Mike, you know, I, I'm thinking about joining the military. So what do you think I should do? I go, grab your balls and join the military. If that's what you want and you're going to regret it, go do it. The following day, they text me or they DM me and they say, Mike, I joined the military. And I'm like, well, well, that was easy because they needed somebody in their life to just tell them, hey, dude, it, it's okay to suck. It's okay to take leaps of faith. It's okay to bound forward. It's okay to have structure. And what I think is missing, and it's the component that's missing across the board, is clear, concise communication without the concern of of the woke without mm. the concern of, of uh, being offensive without concern and just leading the right path which is the way we are raised i mean I, I did a some dude sent me a post and i didn't think about this in, until i i read this in its totality it's kind of like a funny meme i put it on my instagram uh, mike.a.glover but it was like um for the for the gen x if you're around 42 years old you grew up and you were self-reliant as a child because that was the life that we lived when we grew up because our moms and dads were working and, and we didn't grow around technology. We, we, in the morning on a summer um, day, we were launched out into the world and we didn't come home until the oh, street. Yeah. Like we had Dude, like, people of our <laughs> age, like we had maybe like an old Nintendo or Sega or some shit. But if you got caught indoors middle of the day playing that shit, like your mom's like, get your ass out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> it's funny. It said we survived off of other people's garden hoses. That's, that was like our, our water. It's like that. But that build, uh, I think, generationally uh, and astoundingly a sense of resilience that if you take it one generation back is missing, hmm. is missing. And, and, and I think we're the last hope for influencing that culture and instilling those fundamentals that we learned at such a young age into society before we're off and gone. Because after we're off and gone, welcome to a new world. Welcome to an entire different society that forgot where it came from. Yeah, we're at the precipice right now. Uh, <clears throat> and this uh, dovetails nicely into another one of the principles I'll put more into this country than I'll take out of it. We've all heard this generally speaking, whether it was in the boy Scouts or the military, like leave things better than you found it. It doesn't say leave things as you found it, by the way, it says leave things better than you found it because it's the understanding one, that there's a natural degradation and two, that it's all of our responsibility to ensure that all of this is maintained, right? Not, not, it's not your job or my job. It's not like, Oh, somebody gets paid to come pick that up, pick that shit up, dude. You know, um, it's, uh, what are we, what are we really telling people when we say this? It's not just about cleaning up your brass at a gun ridge or, or, or a campsite or anything like that. It's not even necessarily about conservation of the environment. It's about the kind of mindset that is constantly on the lookout for opportunities to improve their position and the positions of those around them, right? Whether it's you know, cleaning shit up or building infrastructure for something or sharing the information, the knowledge that you have with the next generation or other people in your generation. So more people can succeed. It's that drive and innovation that keeps society progressing. And you combine that right with, <clears throat> with 
uh, the right kind of empathy that holds people accountable. And now you're talking about one of the most important factors in our society. It recognizes a few things. First, that we all have the responsibility to be good stewards of our environment, of our country, of our relationships, both our like personal relationships, our relationship general generally with society, with our spouses, with our children, whatever. Uh, uh, and it also acknowledges that things break down, right? Thermodynamics, things are breaking down over time uh, and they require time and maintenance. Everything does. And we, if we really want to live in the best country in the world, if you want to wave that fucking flag around, you damn sure better be putting the work in to make sure it's the best goddamn country in the world. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear people saying that shit unless like if somebody says America's the best country in the world, I'm like, all right, cool. What'd you do to help? You know what I mean? Cause you can't rest on that platitude because it's our friends that died to make that shit happen. So tell me what you're doing to make this the best country in the world. This principle can be applied literally anywhere, whether it's your marriage, you know, your, your fucking friendships, the, your relationship with the country and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and the other part of that is that the idea of hard work for its own sake, I think, has completely vanished. I tell people that um, all you can really control is your attitude and your effort. You can't control the outcome of things. And we've taught people to have that. That's what equity is. It's the expectation of a positive outcome or an equal outcome for everybody. But that's not how life works. You know, um, we've taught people to have an expectation of a positive outcome, but that's, that's unrealistic. You keep working until you succeed. You don't just expect success. If you do, then you will fucking fail, man. Like there's no way to, to do that. And I think that's uh, where we see people. We talked about resilience earlier. They charge really hard right up until the first uh, 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 thing they have to negotiate, the first uh, uh, roadblock they have to negotiate. And then they either bounce off it or whatever. And then that's it for them. Like, oh, it was too hard. Can't do that. It wasn't too hard. You were too soft. You know what I mean? It's another thing I like to tell people. The weight does not get lighter. You get stronger, right? And it's incumbent upon you to do that because we need that strength. So I, I encourage people routinely to seek out discomfort, whether it's like your personal fitness or having difficult conversations with people or, you know, taking time out of your day to go find people like Mike Glover and Tim Kennedy and do some jujitsu, learn how to shoot a little bit, learn how to fucking pack a wound, learn how to find food out there. You know what I mean? These are really important things that we're not really doing. I mean, some people do them as like a hobby now, but what other life sustaining activity do we just kind of relegate to hobby status? Right? Like if we, if you had to learn how to breathe, that wouldn't be something you do a couple of times on the weekend in the summer, but for fun, you would be doing that shit all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we live in a society of expecting instant gratification. I mean, again, a, a lot of societal habits now are built, built off of the optimization of the technological world we live in. We want everything and we want it now. Um, you want, want food, you could just Uber it. You know, you want uh, a, a ride, you could just Uber it. You know, you want something to arrive at your door the same day or the next day, you just Amazon it. So it's like this expectation in life. I've seen it in the business realm. I've seen it in professional development realms where people want success, but they're not willing to do the hard work. I mean, I have a lot of companies that were parallel to us when we started our business, but they weren't willing to commit to the long game. You know, it's like uh, Shackleton through endurance. We conquer. It's like the, the, the game is always the long game. There is no instant pathway to success because that's the pyramid scheme and it's a scam. It doesn't work. So uh, when, when it comes to like individual behavior, I think the execution of behaviors is how we kind of get back to ethics and character and building those attributes and people, you know, like if I walk by trash, I pick it up. Why? Because not because I'm, I'm anti-litter or I'm like thinking about the, you know, the world and all the environmental disasters that take place. I'm doing it because it's my community. If I step over a piece of trash, I want to pick up that trash, put it, put it in a trash bin because I want to beauty, beautify 
and maintain the integrity of our local community. And I think if a lot of people get outside into the real world, and if they had a worldly perspective, most people don't have a worldly perspective. They talk about world issues, but they have never been outside of their state or their town. When you get a worldly perspective, you start to realize, man, everything we have is amazing. And if we really want to sustain the path we're on, then we need to protect it. We need to do the maintenance, like you said. We need to do the the sustaining of that because, you know, it's. I always quote this song um, by this country singer. It's called uh, Hold, Hold On. And it's like the idea is like I hold on to what works for me. Just because you have a pretty car or a pretty, pretty thing doesn't mean it's better because the things you have, including democracy and freedom, this 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 liberty and great life we live in America. If you're not willing to treat it with respect, if you're not willing to do something for it and nurture it, then you're going to lose it. Eventually, you will lose it. And I think we we need to get into a better mindset of that. And it starts again with the the family unit and, and teaching peer to peer. Hey, open that door for that woman. Hey, that dude just fell on the ground. Help him up. Mm. Hey, that dude's got a flat. Don't just burn past him knowing that you know how to fix the problem. Be fixers in your own community. And, and you know, this gets back to the roots of, of who we are at our heart. You know, we're, we're tribe. We're tribe. Um, you know, we, we, we love to establish groups. We love to organize in small numbers. But you could do that amongst your friends in your own backyard in your own town in your own city uh, it's one of the reasons we started these this concept of american contingency where it's like we want people to depend on each other and not depend on an institution that's not going to come to save your ass the more we can get back to that the more we can get off our phones and integrate <clears throat> in real life experiences with real life people and conversations um the better off i think we'll be sure yeah i mean you know what if you're around people enough you develop a rapport it's it's interesting even if you don't really agree on things uh there is a saying it's hard to hate up close you know what i mean because it's not because it's difficult to dislike somebody you're around a lot but because it's impractical you know what i mean just the stress of life will make you start like you've been on teams i'm sure with dudes that you didn't necessarily care for but in a gun the in a gunfight that you don't you don't even worry about that guy like i know he's got that quarter that's not even part of it that it's a whole separate thing and it's it kind of reminds me of this concept from buds. Um, a lot of my buddies that were seals have told me about, and it's the, uh, the log and the fucking wake, you know what I mean? Lying down, doing sit-ups or, or, or doing, uh, uh, pushing the log overhead. I've got the weight is, is a phrase that's often said. Um, somebody asked if somebody else is a good man. No one asked how much money that dude makes. Nobody asked how hot his girlfriend is, how nice his fucking car is. They, they will typically ask a very simple question or maybe they don't phrase it this way. And maybe it's not in the form of a question, but it'll be like, if you needed help, is that dude going to be there to help you? That's what a good man is, right? The most important thing you can ever be in your life is there for someone who needs you, right? I've got the weight means two things. It means one that you can trust your teammates to help you. When you're not strong enough, when you're having muscle failure, or when you're struggling, your teammates are there to carry the weight when you can't. But it also means that you're pushing yourself, not just there, but in preparation to make sure you can carry the weight when your teammate needs help, right? This is what we mean when we say value add. Can you carry the weight? Can you carry the responsibility of being a human being in, a, in American society in the 21st century? Are you able to, as you said, kind of box out these institutions, keep them from coming in and getting involved and taking over our shit and solve problems at the local level. Because if you're not willing to do that, then you are going to be a subject. You're going to be ruled. And typically speaking, you're going to be ruled by lesser men. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's a painful reality that if we don't shift course, I think that we're going to be facing really soon. And I, I, I think profoundly, you know, even the conversations that we're having right now on a small scale for a, a smaller audience comparative uh, uh, compared to the, the, the totality of this, of society is, is needed because those people who go into their own social networks, this positive feedback loop 
the tactics that we're talking about once implemented it's what people actually want to do mm. it's but they and I, I think when we start building this you know, you know even small influencers who don't have a big following it's like man just the impact you make in your own household is important and you don't have to have a social media f- following you don't have to have a handle you don't have to have authored a book in order to be impactful it starts with you and it starts with your household yeah and the interesting thing about that is um and this this will ring true for anybody that knows anything about the special forces community what you're essentially doing is uh creating force multipliers right you're you're sending people out into the world and we we reduce it to calling it train the trainer but what it's what you're really doing is it's almost like uh multi-level marketing but it's in the other direction instead of siphoning off everybody's money what you're doing is siphoning down uh, uh, strength and, and resilience. You know what I mean? You're teaching, you're putting people through some stress to teach them that they can handle it. And you're going to send them out in the world and teach them or have them teach other people that they can handle stress. Um, people can tell when you are a help, what would I, what, what I consider a helper, somebody who is ready, prepared and willing to do the things that people need to do when they're in trouble. Uh, they can tell you're strong, even when you don't necessarily feel strong if you have uh, uh like maybe today's not your best day or maybe you have uh imposter syndrome i don't know why they would trust me with this fuck all that they can tell by how you act by the confidence you project by the fact that you make yourself available to them and the same is true uh for strong people who don't necessarily know what to do who feel the same helplessness and hopelessness that you do sometimes when you make a conscious decision to help other people not only have you helped them specifically, but you've also motivated somebody who didn't know how to help and get involved. It's the bystander effect that we talked about earlier. There's this weird psychological impediment. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like group shame or embarrassment or what it is, but you can tell it even at the individual level. You mentioned before somebody falling down. People will avert their gaze. They'll look in the other way when somebody falls down because they don't want the person to be embarrassed or they feel embarrassed on their behalf. What the fuck are you doing? Go pick that motherfucker up, man. Like, are we really going to let some weird tinge of shame or embarrassment stop, stop us from helping other people? Like, what kind of person or what kind of people are we if we allow that to happen? That, that's, that's like the very basic stuff. So talk about picking up trash and stuff like this. These little opportunities at the, at the micro level where it's holding a door or doing something nice for somebody or helping somebody on the side of the road or whatever it is, you start doing that stuff and watch your life improve and watch the community around you improve. That's how that works. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be a new defined purpose, man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a lot of people who are looking for this, this concept of, hey, I need, I need something to wake up to. I need, I need a driver. I need a... Uh, a factor. I need a purpose in my life. Being selfless is a, is a, a, a great tactic in feeling accomplished every single day by helping others. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that drives me every single day. If I'm educating people on to be better prepared, man, that brings me profound purpose. The same purpose that I had training Afghans or Libyans or, or, or name X country and fighting and defending their own country. So I, I think when we, when we look at these these specific attributes. Um, I, I think of this example that we talk about at Philcraft on 9-11, where you had a groupthink mentality in the World Trade Center, where a lot of people who were told to hunker down were told, hunker down in place and don't move. And those, place, those places, which were the organizations on each floor that did that, paid the ultimate sacrifice. They perished in the towers collapsing. There's one specific instance of uh, Goldman and Sachs, uh, a security executive who actually was a Silver Star recipient in Vietnam. Um, he, he worked head of security and he said, we're not doing that. And he said, I'm going to evacuate all of you. And they had rehearsed because he was focused on preparedness and focused on this understanding that this could happen because he was in the first bombing of the World Trade Center that happened in the parking garage. And so he knew it could happen one day. So he evacuated personally over 2,000 employees, saved 2,000 lives that day that would have perished. And he, his security um, teammates, 
and a few employees that were head executives who said they would not leave until everybody was evacuated. They wanted up parachute. Mm. And it's like, it just takes you to get off your ass and do something about it to lead the way. And, and like I said, you're not leading the way to, to virtue signal on social media. You're doing it. Lead the way in your own way by leading yourself or leading your family. That That's a good start in the right direction. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And on that, on that, note uh it reminds me of a an old patent general patent quote he said a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week um yeah it's get off your fucking ass you know what i mean we we all know what the problems are here in the u.s um a lot of it seems daunting some seems and uh seem insurmountable and it's understandable that you might feel that way to some degree but that's not where the conversation ends you you've You've advanced until you met resistance, and now it's time to do battle drill on alpha on this bitch. You know what I mean? It's time to flank these motherfuckers. So uh, you have to be part of the solution to this problem, starting from the ground up. We are a government of, for, and by the people. And if the people are lazy and tuned out, if the people are shitty, then the government's going to be shitty. So that said, knowing what the problems are, before we get out of here, what's your advice for people who want to help, who want to make things better, who just don't know right now what to do yeah the benefit of our country is the decentralization of governance in our lives i mean it's the benefit of the united states of america a lot of people get wrapped around this idea that the federal government dictates their lives it's it's actually not true if they put down their cell phones and all the problems go away then you have the answer it's your cell phone it's all the information you're being fed we don't want to be ignorant to a corrupt government but what we want to do is affect change in which we can control. So you can get out there and you can virtue signal and tell everybody how disgusted you are, or you can start to get involved in all the things that you've outsourced. A lot of parents complain, but they don't want to get involved in parent-teacher conferences. They don't want to get involved in communicating to their superintendents, even knowing the personalities in the task organizations that control all of these things. Go to your local board meets. Go to your local um your superintendent meets, go and talk to your mayor, talk to your sheriff. And if you have the leadership potential, you think you have the right character, the right position, get involved, involved in local legislation, because then you're going to actually make change in your life that you're going to feel. And what I told to a lot of people, like a lot of people, because they've made this in their virtue, their persona, if you want to affect actual tangible change, you have to be willing to get out there and expose yourself. Um, you have to be willing to get out there and expose your opinion on a big scale. That big scale is serving Congress, Senate, uh, doing something of service and getting out there and fighting the fight. If you're not that kind of guy, like I'm not that kind of guy, mm -hmm. I will get behind the people that are those kind of guys. Joe Kent, mm -hmm. a former special operations guy, former ranger, former special operations guy whose wife was killed in the fight against ISIS. Yeah, his, running. his wife, by the way, is responsible for more dead terrorists than probably any human being in the United States. Like literally, yeah. I'm not, and, that's, and that's not hyperbole. That. Yeah. yeah they, they still, people still criticize that. Oh, and so when we look at like the position for me, for you, for the Tim Kennedy's of the world, we're getting behind activating and communicating about these good people who need to be influenced in their own community and turning the tides of democracy. Because we forget, like people who want to go to war with the government, 50% of that government is represented likely by the party that you affiliate with. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do? Yeah, well, pe get pe out there people ask about out. that. Like people yeah. keep talking about civil war. Civil war between whom and over what? Like, because it's yeah. this is not the clearly drawn Mason-Dixon line that people remember from the this is not even close the civil war that's happening right now isn't going to be fought with fucking cannons and guns it's going to be fought with your will and effort that's what is going to be fought with 100 percent if you if you really want things to be better man god damn it you've got here's one of the things i uh before we get out of here i really want to talk about this for just or i just want, I want to mention this you have got to spend more time supporting the shit you believe in and less time talking shit about the shit you don't believe in you have to otherwise you're just adding negative shit like what is exactly what you're talking about if you if you want things to be better stop fucking bitching on twitter 
and go find some people or some ideas that you support and actually get involved and make some positive change. Otherwise, we're all just going to bitch our way into an early grave. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the concept because it's so so simple to activate. It's a it's a simple behavioral change that shifts your mindset. And then you wake up and you're concerned about being proactive again in society instead of being reactive to everything mm-hmm. and creating an echo chamber of falling in love with your own voice. Like, shut the fuck up, get to work, and do something about it. 100%. Well, I really appreciate you coming today. Uh, anything else you want to share with the audience before we get out of here? No, I just appreciate what you're doing on the Citizen Podcast and, and what you're doing with a group of merry men that are doing the right thing with Tim Kennedy's, the Dutch Moyers, the world, all these guys at a higher respect. Um, it's what we need more of. And, and these conversations are how we flush these things out, which I appreciate. And I just thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Tell everybody where they can find you. PhilCraftSurvival.com, AmericanContingency.com. You can Google my name to find all my personal stuff. I'm out there in the, the social media realm, uh, but PhilCraft Survival was the company uh, a lot of free education on podcasts, on YouTube channels, all that stuff. Um, the idea is like, hey, come see what this idea mm. of preparedness is about. And then go visit Sheepdog Response and all these great people who are doing similar things. Yeah. We're not the end-all, be-all solution, by the way. There's a lot of people sure. in the same industry and space that are super positive that you can learn from. Do that, and that will be the right uh, step in the right direction. Yeah, and if you haven't gone to one of these events, by the way, uh, before uh, for any of these organizations, I – I assure you it isn't what you think it is. It isn't a bunch of like 25 to 35 year old white dudes with beards. It is. It's a lot of women, people of all races, people that aren't conservative. They just want to know how to fucking protect themselves and make their communities better. That's it. 100%. So thanks for coming today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you. And I appreciate you guys watching. This has been Citizen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.